Hey everybody, my name is Chris McDaniel, the lead pastor here at Trinity, and we're honored to have you join us here this morning online, wherever it is you're coming from, whether you're watching church by yourself or with your family or friends in a group. It's an honor to have you join us today in this strange season. Uh, hopefully one day soon we'll be able to be together in larger numbers. If you have your Bibles, we're going to look at Exodus chapter 2. As Ashley said last week, we're journeying through the book of Exodus during this Lenten season. And I just want to say before we read, I can think of no better book in the Bible to engage during this wilderness wandering period that's going to lead us up to Easter. And so I think it's an opportunity for us to find our story in this story. So let's try to do that as we read and pray and try to think some deep and true thoughts. So if you have your Bibles, Exodus 2, I'm going to read verses 1 through 10, and then we'll pray and see what we can see in the Word today. Now a man from the house of Levi went and married a Levite woman. The woman conceived and bore a son, and when she saw that he was a fine baby, she hid him three months. And when she could hide him no longer, she got a papyrus basket for him and plastered it with bitumen and pitch. She put the child in it and placed it among the reeds on the bank of the river. His sister stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. The daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river, and while her attendants walked beside the river, she saw the basket among the reeds and sent her maid to bring it. When she opened it, she saw the child. He was crying, and she took pity on him. This must be one of the Hebrews' children, she said. And then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and get you a nurse from the Hebrew women to nurse the child for you? Pharaoh's daughter said to her, yes. So the girl went and called the child's mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take the child and nurse it for me and I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed it. When the child grew up, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter and she took him as her son. She named him Moses because she said, I drew him out of the water. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Father, we pray that you would give us grace today to sit with the word of God and to find our story in this story, Lord. God, help us to see the exodus and the events leading up to the exodus, God, as um, a teaching moment for us. I pray that we would hear from you today in a way that would actually impact the way we live. Have mercy on us, we pray, and we thank you for the word of God. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. So our Lenten journey continues, and we're going to be in these stories, watching the story of Moses and the Israelites build up to where they're sent home, where they get to go into freedom. And I think that for us, that movement toward freedom is actually a really important concept for us to consider, because while we're not in Egyptian bondage, all of us in one way or another experience different kinds of bondage as we live our lives. I think now is an opportunity for us to think about sin, to think about the places in your life and mine where we're living less than free, and then ask the Lord, what would a new kind of exodus look like for us? But before we get to exodus, the, the departure, the moving toward the promised land, I think we sit with a story like this, Moses, his birth narrative, and we can see some things and learn some things about the way God works and the way that he would want us to participate in that work. And so with that in mind, I'm going to say four things to you today. Four things that will hopefully help us not only navigate through this passage, but will help us actually see what the Lord would want us to see as we think about our own lives right now. So let's jump in. Number one, I believe this text invites us to see this, that we have choices and we must make choices that lead to life, even as we face hardship. 
And I'm thinking specifically about Moses, his mom and dad, who are unnamed in this passage and yet play such a critical space in the story. See, if you pick up the story, the story of the Israelites in Exodus 1 and now in 2, we recognize that the Egyptians were seeing the Israelites grow. Their numbers were growing. They were strong and they were threatened by that growth. And so they created an oppressive environment for the Jews. They put them into servitude and they oppressed them. They crushed them. And if there was ever a time to not have babies, to not get married and fall in love and make babies, it would have been at this time. I've even heard people say in this time, this is not a time in the world's history to have babies. And I think it's always a time to think about the future. Well, this Levite man and woman, in the midst of a really difficult time, they make choices that lead to life. And I believe that one of the invitations in front of you and me, especially when we face hardship, is to make choices that lead to life. That we would actually not cease living just because things are challenging, because we're in the midst of a trial or even experiencing difficulty. Moses, his mom and dad, actually tell us something about how we might participate with God. They play a very brief, but a very important part in the story of God's redemption. See, without them making choices that lead to life, there's no Moses. With no Moses, there's no Exodus. And so what we see here is that this couple made what seemed like an insignificant choice, but it wasn't insignificant. So I want to ask you this question. Do you believe that God wants to bring good things to bear in your life, even in the midst of trial and tribulation and difficulty? I believe that's one of the invitations of Lent, is to say, even if I'm in the valley, even if I'm in the wilderness, I don't stop living and Moses, his mom and dad, actually tell us that they can make and now we can make choices that lead to life even as we face trial and tribulation. I want to tell you this, God's call on you and me, even as we face uncertainty, maybe especially as we face uncertainty, is to live. He actually called the Jews again later on when they were moving into Babylonian exile. He said to them, you're going to Babylon, but we want you to plant gardens and have babies. He was saying, live even as you face hardship. And I think the same invitation is there for you and for me. And that requires that you and I, that we make real choices that move us toward flourishing even as we face trial. So think about that. The second thing I think God wants us to see as we sit with a story like this and look at our own lives is this, that God's plan to deliver us almost always starts in a small and fragile way. See, God didn't send Moses as a ready-made deliverer. He didn't send Jesus as one either. Not a, not a grown man warrior or politician. Moses, born as a baby and a baby at risk. See, the plan of deliverance for the Jews, the story of the Exodus, is that God's plan came in a very vulnerable, fragile way, in a place, in a way that would have been easy to miss, easy to overlook, and frankly, something that could have been lost. So Moses, his mom and dad have a baby and they hide him in their home until they can't hide him anymore. And you could just imagine, if you think about this story, like put yourself in their home. They're afraid every day. Every time there's a knock at the door, they hide their baby. They shush him so that he doesn't make noise. They're worried he's going to be taken from them. I want you to think about how fragile, how, how risky it would have felt for his parents. And then when they couldn't hide him any longer, they make a basket and they put their child, they put this, this child of promise in a basket and float him down the river. Imagine how helpless mom and dad would have felt. 
And I love what we know about Moses and his birth because I think that it's significant that he comes to us as a baby, not a warrior. That he comes to us as someone who was at risk. And I believe that that tells us something about the work of God in our life, in our day and age. God's work almost always starts small. It almost always starts in a manner that we would think, why, why isn't this bigger? Why isn't this a sturdier feeling? And yet the Lord starts with Jesus in the same way, a baby at risk, a baby whose parents were having to flee to Egypt. It's interesting that Egypt come into both Jesus and Moses' story. Maybe God's looking to do something in your life. Maybe he's looking to um, begin something in you right now, but maybe that thing feels really fragile and vulnerable. Maybe it feels like Moses being hid or float down a river. Don't despise the day of small beginnings. I believe the Lord wants to have you and me honor things that feel fragile and small. See, Moses would not remain fragile and vulnerable. He would not remain a baby in the river, but he started out that way. And I believe similarly, the work of God in your life and mine, if we're not paying attention, it's easy to miss God's work. And if we don't honor God's work when it's small, we'll have a hard time reconciling it when it's big and full grown. And many of us, we miss the moment because we're simply not paying attention. We're not looking for the right kinds of things. And I believe the Lord wants you and me to become the kinds of people who are able to be present and recognize God's work in our life, even when it seems like a baby floating down a river. Number three, the third thing I think we're invited to see in this passage is this. God's delivering work in your life and mine is always an invitation for you to trust. Think about Moses, his mom and dad. They had really no clue what was going to happen. They probably really didn't know who their child really was. They knew that they loved him. They knew they wanted to protect him, but they didn't know he was going to be the deliverer of Israel. Probably not. But they did know that because they loved and they saw God's provision in their life, that they couldn't hold on to it with, with closed fists. They had to open their hands and they had to trust God with an outcome. In order to have any chance of their son's life being sustained, they had to let go. And I think about this in your life and mine. How, how and where is the Lord inviting you to let go? Not to give up and like take your toys and go home, but to let go and um, surrender control over ultimate outcomes. That's exactly what Moses, his parents had to do. They had to surrender control over outcomes, which involved trusting and entrusting the life of their son, the gift, the promise to God, to circumstances that they could not manage. But here's the thing that I love. While they open their hands, they keep their eyes open. Moses, his sister, kind of follows the baby in the basket and she keeps an eye on things. And when Pharaoh's um, daughter comes and sees the baby, she then steps up and says, oh, I know someone who could nurse the baby. What an opportunity for us to see that we are meant to hold our hands open, but remain curious and engaged when we look for the redemption of God. That's exactly what his family did. And there was provision here. And so Moses grows up in Pharaoh's house, but his birth mom takes care of him. And y'all, we're not told, I mean, we're literally told very little here. But what I can imagine was happening is as Moses' mom is nursing him and weaning him so that she could hand him kind of as like a, a fully orb person to Pharaoh so that she could raise him without doing all the hard bits. She was telling him the story of who he was. She was saying, 
You're, you're one of us. And one day God might use you because of this position that you're in to do something for us. And in these moments, Moses hears a story. He hears the story of where he came from. He hears the story of what might happen if he's placed in a position of privilege and power, which is exactly how he grows up. And he's not ultimately taught to be ashamed of that. He's taught to leverage it in ways that would be really powerful. So by the time Moses ends up in Pharaoh's house, he knows who he is. He has a sense of where his story might be headed. But here's the thing that I want to say, the fourth message, I think, or the fourth thing that we should see in this passage. Deliverance and redemption are long stories. They're stories with twists and turns. And that's what we're going to be doing over the next number of weeks. We're going to be remembering over and over again that God tells really long stories. See, Moses grew up in Pharaoh's house. And we're going to get to the points where he begins to recognize, I have a job to do. But you got to think about him as a teenager. He was just hanging out in Pharaoh's house, probably trying to make sense of things that didn't quite make sense to him. But one day soon... He would take matters into his own hands. He would actually make a mistake, and we're going to see that soon in the passage. And then he would feel disqualified, and then he would have to be re-engaged by God. And I just want to say to you, maybe today you're wondering, how does this season in my life add up to mean something good and real? And I just want to say to you, God tells long stories. Man, if you had hit pause and poured concrete around my life, at any really low moment, I would have been a hopeless case. And that's probably true for you. Maybe right now you're in one of those low moments. See, what happens to all of us when we're under stress for a really long time is stuff comes out of us that's not the best. And maybe that's where you are right now. I just want to say this to you. God is not finished telling the story. And if Exodus teaches us anything, it teaches us that God's not finished telling our story. If you are breathing... If you are walking, if you are moving, if you are thinking, if you are praying, your story's not finished being told. And I know this because Moses teaches us this. Redemption is a long story with many twists and turns. So what I want to invite you to do over these next weeks is to journey with us as we think about the twisty, long, windy path that is redemption. I think that's what Lent is ultimately all about. The way home, it's a long way, but there is a way. If you are in a journaling space or in group time, I want to give you a couple of questions for your consideration, uh, things that I think this text would invite us to see. And if you want to, you can hit pause and, and write them down because I'm just going to walk through them fast, but they'll be, they'll be on the screen. Three questions. Number one, what does positioning yourself for life, making choices that lead to life, what does that look like for you right now? What steps might God be inviting you to take to position yourself for life? even in the midst of hardship. Number two, reflect on a time where you've seen God's work in your life appear fragile or vulnerable at first. What did that feel like? How did you nurture it? Or maybe how did you fail to nurture it? Be good to think about that. God's work starts small. Number three, where might God be inviting you to trust him with outcomes, to, to hold your hands open and yet remain curious? Let's sit with those questions. I want us to pray the Lord's Prayer together 
But before we do, I just want to speak a word of prayer and blessing over you, and then we'll pray as Jesus taught us to pray. Father, I thank you for my friends. And I pray, God, that as we enter further into this Lenten journey, that you would keep us, that you would protect us, that you would guide us along the way, Lord, just like you were able to guide Moses along the way. Have mercy on us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's pray as Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. God bless you. If you want to come and receive communion kits, you can come and grab them either on Sunday when we're in church in the parking lot or at any time during business hours during the week. And finally, I would say, if this is your church, you can visit our website to find ways to give tithe and offering. But if you're checking us out, either here in Atlanta or somewhere else, please don't give. Everything's taken care of. We are just so thankful that you would join us. Bless you. We'll see you when we can see you. Amen.